Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Church Medicine, the community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMedicine.com. But I'm Scott, I'm the pastor here, and this is such an amazing day. Um, this is really special in the life of our community, and I will uh, explain more as we go along, but would you pray with me as we begin? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us, Lord. Um, we thank you that you have poured out your spirit on all peoples of all nations and tribes and tongues. Uh, Lord, thank you for what it was like to just hear the different languages read your word. So God, we unify ourselves with the people around the globe this morning that are known by you and that love you, Lord. We thank you that you love this whole world. Move in our hearts this morning, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Um, also, as people come in, y'all, if we, if we do need to get some extra seats and everything, there's a couple over here. I think there's a couple back here. There's a couple up here if you want to be in the splash zone. Um, it's not going to be too splashy, don't worry. Uh, before we come to the waters of baptism, I just want to draw our attention to this story, which we heard in three different languages. And so uh, maybe you were tracking along, maybe like me, you just kind of stopped and experienced what it was like to hear it read in a different language. Um, that all has to do with what we're reading. But it's all about the giving of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And if you're new to Christianity, so if you're visiting this morning and you don't usually go to church or you don't, you don't know a lot about Jesus, you might be asking questions like, what is the Holy Spirit? Uh, the Holy Spirit is one of the more confusing things about Christianity, at least I think so. Is it like the force in Star Wars, but for Christians? Um, can you do stuff with it? Is it like a natural spiritual energy that we all have? If we don't all have it, how do you receive it? Questions like that. If you are a Christian, and maybe you've been coming to church for like 10 years, you might still have a lot of confusion around the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we want to look at this story this morning, when the Holy Spirit was given and I want to ask three questions. Number one, who is the Holy Spirit? Number two, what does he do? And number three, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? Sound good? If you've got your bulletin, I actually want to walk through this story. I want you to look at it with me. So open it up. What page is it on, that Acts reading? Seven. You can open up to page seven. Man, those were, those were beautiful languages. Can we just get a word of applause for our readers? That was amazing. What a treat. Okay, first question, who is the Holy Spirit? The answer is this. I'm going to give you the answer right at the front. Who is the Holy Spirit? The answer is God who comes to dwell in us. God who comes to dwell in us. So read it with me. Let's begin the Acts reading. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What in the world is going on here? The disciples are all gathered together in Jesus' name on the day of Pentecost, which was a Jewish feast before it was a Christian one. Isn't that cool? They were all doing what we're doing right now. And then all of a sudden, this massive wind came rushing through. We had this fan on earlier, and we were like, that's probably what it was like. It was, everything was blowing. It was amazing. And then divided tongues of fire rests on each of them. Uh, especially if you're visiting this morning, this sounds like absolute craziness, right? 
but there actually is a really good biblical explanation for what's going on. If you've read the, the book of the Exodus or know the story, or if you've just seen Prince of Egypt, uh, because all Bible stories are better with Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston, um, <laughs> even if you've seen that, when God first appears to Moses, how does he appear to him? A burning bush, right? Moses meets God in a burning bush, and he knows that it's so intense that God is there, he has to take off his sandals. Remember that? When God is leading the people of Israel in the story of Exodus through the wilderness, how does he appear to them? In front of them in a huge pillar of fire. Later on, the Israelites get to Mount Sinai, and God literally, all the people are there, and God comes and meets them. And what does it look like when he meets them? You know what it is probably right now, right? Fire. There's fire on the mountain. People who read the Bible a lot and theologians use a big fancy word for that called a theophany. And a theophany means a physical manifestation of God where he's there. You could point to him. You can hear him. He's actually present. So in other times, those were times when God showed up in a real way. Just like the burning bush, when God came on the mountain, on Mount Sinai, the people wouldn't even go close to the mountain because it was so intense. Okay, think about our story. Suddenly God shows up to these people visibly and audibly and it has all the elements of the big word, the theophany, right? But there's one huge difference. Where's the fire? It's not in a bush. It's not on a mountain. It's not in the temple. Where is it? It's on them. It's upon them. They were having a personal theophany inside of them. <laughs> the same God who spoke out of the bush and met them on Mount Sinai came into the people. Verse 14 affirms that. And they were all filled. Not like in. No, they were filled. Like they were a cup and something filled them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. So what does this all mean? The Holy Spirit isn't the force. As much as I love Star Wars, it's not the force. It isn't just the spiritual energy that we all have. No, it is the one true God, the God of Israel dwelling inside of us. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit comes and makes his home in us. That's like where he wants to live. We have these little flower pots in front of our house and birds keep on coming and making their home in our pots, little nests. Don't take that analogy to the, the full extent, but that's what the Holy Spirit does in you. He comes and he makes his home inside of you. Pentecost is the day when we remember when God was faithful to his promise that he said, one day, everybody is going to be able to be filled with me. Amen? We take this dead seriously. Uh, if you're visiting this morning, we actually believe that's true. I know that might sound a little crazy, um, but I believe it. I can testify to it. I have personally experienced God filling me up. We believe that when we gather together, we're in his presence, actually. God is here. Amen? We believe that. If you're here this morning and you're interested in Christianity, do you know that God wants to fill you? Do you know that God created you so that he could pour his love and his presence inside your body? He wants to fill you. You were created to be a vessel to be full of the love of God. Has anybody ever told you that before? It's true. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God who comes to dwell in us. Second question, what does he do? 
He does everything, okay? Uh, the Holy Spirit literally does all the things. But I just want to point out two big things that the Holy Spirit does, and he does them in this story as well. Here's the answer. What does the Holy Spirit do? He comes to unify and to testify. Like the rhyme there? I worked a long time on that, okay? He comes to unify and he comes to testify. He doesn't just stop with fire and wind. It's not like that's the party trick and like, wow, that was cool. See the fire? That was amazing. No, something happens in this story that's really particular when God comes. And it was in the, the time when we were either in Ebo or French or Polish. But did you notice what happens? The disciples who are filled with the presence of God started speaking in languages and everybody, there's 16 different nations that are listed in this Acts 2 reading, could understand them. It's this miracle where the language that they were using, they started speaking in the Holy Spirit and everybody could understand. Why is that so significant? Why is that the thing that happens on the day of all Holy Spirit days? Again, it sounds crazy. It's just this bizarre experience. But as you might be guessing with the Bible, there's a really, really good reason why this is the thing that starts happening when the Holy Spirit comes. So Genesis 11, way back in the beginning of the Bible, tells the story of the Tower of Babel. Some of you might know the story of the Tower of Babel. Um, some of you might not. Basically, it tells the story of way back in the day, all humanity had one language. But in their sinfulness, they were trying to create a relationship with God and make a name for themselves that was based on false ideas of God and selfish reasons personally. And so God thwarts their plan and their language is splintered. It's split up. The people are scattered and divided where they can't understand each other anymore. And the big idea behind that story, if you're like, that still doesn't make any sense. The big idea is that it's this tragic theme. It's this picture in the Tower of Babel that we see throughout Scripture and I think in our life. And that is that our sinfulness and the brokenness of the world divides us. Both from God and from one another. Sin is a movement outward. It's a movement from each other and it's a movement from God away. It's a breaking down and a breaking apart. Uh, sin and evil likes to build walls in between people. It likes to come in between races and nations and family and friendships, and it loves to build up walls and spread apart. You guys feel me on that? We feel this in our personal life. Uh, and I almost feel like during the middle of the conversations, I could hear cracking. Have you ever experienced that before? I could almost feel us being like ripped apart, wondering how can we mend this? And I think just in general, uh, I don't think I need to prove to you guys that we are in a deeply divided country. We're in a deeply divided nation. We're in a divided world. Who doesn't read headlines and see things aired and doesn't mourn and weep at our divisions over race and class and politics and gender? Amen? We live in a divided world. It's a tragedy. So what's the answer? We have not been able to unify ourselves. Babel didn't work. Presidents have not been able to unify us. Facebook would love to make you think it has the power to unify us. It does not. I think what Facebook has done, being a curmudgeon for a second, is just giving us tools to show that we further can create division in a different platform. <laughs> I don't mean that to be curmudgeon-like, but you, you feel me, right? What's the answer? The Holy Spirit comes in power to unify. Think back to our story. What's going on with all of these people from 16 different nations who cannot understand each other? 
all of a sudden understanding each other. It's the reversal of Babel. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is bringing everyone back together. And the people marvel. They don't know how to explain it. Uh, I don't know if you read that in the passage, but they start freaking out. They're like, what does this mean? Are these people drunk? You know, today they'd be like, are they taking drugs? Something's happening. I can't explain what's going on. And I love that that's the thing that freaks them out, that they understand each other, not the fire and the wind. If it was me, I'd be like, wait a second, can we just talk about the tongues of fire for a second that are on people's? But they're like, no, how can I understand this? What's happening? This is one of the great ministries of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. He unifies what he fills. When he fills you and he fills somebody else, he brings together what he unifies. He's a movement towards unity. The Holy Spirit wants to move you closer to others and closer to God. And the power of the Holy Spirit is more power than any wall, any division, any race or politics or class. He breaks those down. Amen? In our personal lives, we feel this. We can open up ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit for the sake of unity. In our community, if you're visiting us this morning, we are a community that takes really, really seriously the call to unity. But we don't depend on our perfection to do that, because we're not. We depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. I've also experienced this on a larger social levels, too. Um, I used to work at this huge corporate company in America, and I had tons of coworkers. And so many of my coworkers were like me. They grew up in similar neighborhoods to me. They like listened to the same music as I did. Uh, they dressed like I did. They ate things I did. They listened to podcasts I did. Uh, but my closest friend was this African-American guy who grew up on a different part of town. We dressed differently. We listened to different music. Uh, we lived in different segregated areas. But the first time that I met him, I felt this overwhelming sense of unity and deepness and love and mutual understanding with him because I sensed that he had the Holy Spirit. And he did with me. And so he and I had a deeper, more profound relationship than I did with any of my coworkers who looked like white hipsters like me. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. When you read the book of Acts, what you're watching is you are watching the kingdom spread out. And we're gonna, we're, we're gonna be reading the book of Acts for like three months. You're gonna watch the gospel get to barrier after barrier after barrier and it obliterates all barriers. Race, class, theological differences, it just literally pulverizes anything that evil and sin has tried to set up. Amen? Okay, that doesn't mean that you can do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. So for us and for Madison, we want to see more and more and more kingdom gospel diversity and unity in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But he also comes to testify what happens next in the story is exactly what you would think. Look at verse 12 really quick with me. If you saw all that happening, what would you do? You would say, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? <laughs> the people are like, I have no idea what is happening right now. Uh, there's like seven different verbs in that first paragraph that all have to do with not having any idea what's going on, being perplexed, confused. There's just mass chaos. And somebody's finally like, what is happening? The people all want an explanation, and that is when Peter, sweet Peter, who, who we journeyed with in the gospel, is filled to the brim with God himself, and he gets up to preach his first great sermon in Acts. Um, last week, if you were here, we were talking about the ascension and God's play, his move he wanted to make. He says in Acts 1-8, you're all going to be filled with my spirit, 
and then you're going to be my witness. That's what Jesus says at the beginning of, of the book of Acts. What's Peter doing here? He's being a witness in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to really dig into his long sermon, but he basically is going to say, listen, people, nobody's drunk. It's still morning. I love that he has to qualify that. He's like, you're not drunk either. We're all sober. This is actually happening. The Spirit is here, and you really are hearing people speak in languages that, are, that you can understand. And then he's going to spend the rest of his time proving that Jesus is who he said he was. Jesus really did die on a cross. He actually did rise again, and he actually did ascend to heaven. These things are true, and that is the point of this whole chapter. And it's the end goal of what the Spirit is working towards, that people will come to believe and understand that Jesus is Lord. Even without reading the entire sermon, look at verse 36 with me. This is his punchline. This is his mic drop moment, okay? He says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, which means Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. That's the whole point. The Spirit is working to testify. Peter didn't do this by himself, right? He's an uneducated fisherman. Remember that? No, he's able to preach like this because of the power of the Spirit. He's sharpening Peter's words. He's loosening his tongue. And he's working in the people who are listening. He's carving out space in their heart. He's opening up their ears. He's working in everybody to bring to light Jesus, to make him come alive. This is what Jesus said the Spirit would do in the Gospel of John. He said, it'll convict the world and he will glorify me. And that's what we see him doing here. And that's exactly what he still does today in our lives and in this church. That's what he's doing. Um, Dan, one of our brothers who's renewing his baptism today, we were talking earlier. He's been on a journey of coming home to Jesus. And we've been talking about Jesus a lot and meeting together. And way back in the day, he said to me, he told me I could quote this, beautiful and profound question. When he was kind of just learning about Jesus and we were talking about meeting Jesus and knowing him and loving Jesus. And he said, beautifully, how can I love somebody I've never met? That's a good question. That's the right question. Have you ever asked that? you're a Christian, have you ever asked that? How do I meet Jesus? How do I walk with him? If you're visiting, have you ever asked that? How can I know God? The answer is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Remember my coworker, my brother at work who had the same spirit as me and we were unified? Guess who else has the same spirit as you? Jesus. Jesus himself shares that spirit with you. He sends us that spirit, and the spirit bears witness inside of us to the truth and the beauty and the reality of Jesus. This is what he does. So listen, you can know Jesus. You can meet him. We believe that's possible. If you never have, you can meet Jesus, who was crucified, died, was buried, but rose again and has ascended to heaven. You can meet him because Jesus wants to send his spirit, pour him inside of you. And when you are reading scripture, when you're praying in community, when you're worshiping, when you're coming to his table, he breathes on all of it like Jesus does in our gospel reading and he makes it come to life where he's there. You're hearing him. You're connecting with him. That is what the Holy Spirit does. We bank on that promise and I can testify to it. 
Church is not just listen to the weird guy in the red dress preach. We think that God is here and he can meet you. Amen? I remember once in the past year, I was in the kitchen watching dishes and Marissa came back in and started talking to me about um, this amazing time in the scripture that she was just having and God was really using it in her life. And as she was talking, I just knew without a shadow of doubt, I could just feel, you've been with Jesus. I could, I could smell it. I could sense from her conversation with him that she had just spent time with him. And I knew that, you know how? Because he'd been spending time with me. I recognized the same influence. And all of a sudden there, we're in the kitchen just doing dishes and I felt like Jesus is just this third person in the room with us. That's because I have the Holy Spirit, Marissa has the Holy Spirit, and Jesus has the same spirit. He brings us together, he brings us closer to him. When we are in worship together, we sense his presence with us, don't we? Oh, that we might sense it more and walk with him more and be filled with him more. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just want to unify us together. He doesn't want to just break down barriers between races and classes and divisions. You know what other barrier he wants to break down? The barrier between you and God. Amen? You think he can do that? He can because of what Jesus did in his cross and resurrection. The Holy Spirit can break down the separation between you and God. Hallelujah. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He comes in power and he unifies us and he testifies to Jesus' reality. Last question, we're almost done. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? This is a good question. I hope you're asking it maybe after this. Okay, well then how do I tap into that? Because that, I want some of that. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? Answer, coming right out of Acts 2. Repentance, belief, and baptism. Last reading, finish with me in verse 37. I want you to look at this because it's so stinking good. This is the very end of Acts 2, verse 37. You guys there? Now, when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart. The Holy Spirit was working inside of them, and their hearts were burning within them. What they just heard was that Jesus was God and that he was crucified, but it rose again to forgive us for our sins and bring us back to God and all this amazing stuff. And they're like, oh, they felt the sting inside of them. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And what? You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you. Can you imagine hearing that for the first time? Hear taking this all in, that God is moving towards us in Jesus and wants to send the Holy Spirit, and then having somebody say, and this is for you, by the way. Insert name here. Isn't that amazing? The promise is for you this morning. And who else? And for your children. What? My kids too? You want to fill my kids with the Holy Spirit so that they can know Jesus and walk in love and truth? And guess who else for? And for all who are far off. Ha! It just gets better and better. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many words, he bore witness. He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. We're not going to baptize 3,000 people today. But can you imagine? That would have been epic, right? 
today's going to be epic, and we've got four. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Peter says, repent and believe the gospel and be baptized. Repentance is turning away from your old life, away from your sins and saying, I want to follow Jesus. I want to know him. I want to be filled with him and then be baptized in his name. Of course, the Spirit moves in us and in the world before we're baptized. That's really clear in the book of Acts. But Peter actually marries the gift of baptism and the Holy Spirit in this passage in a special way. Uh, there's a unique way the Spirit is given at baptism because baptism is the sign of our repentance and belief in Jesus. It's this moment where we kind of commit to him through the waters. But of course, even after we're baptized, if you're here this morning and you were baptized a long time ago, you can always ask for more. Jesus says this interesting thing one time. He says that God loves to answer one request. I always used to ask him for superpowers when I was a little kid. He never gave me any. He loves to answer one request, and that is for more of his spirit. Jesus said God loves to answer that question. He's looking for people to ask that question. Amen? So what better way to transition than to baptism from this amazing passage? The Holy Spirit is a wind at your back blowing you closer to one another and closer to Jesus, and that comes to baptism. I've said this before at our previous baptism, but I'll say it again. There are two ways to watch a baptism. One is, if you've been baptized before, to watch it and to be reaffirmed and encouraged and reminded that you too died to yourself and rose to new life. The second way to watch a baptism is if you have not been baptized, to be drawn to the waters, to think, oh, I actually do want to die to my old life. I want to be cleansed in the blood of Jesus and be raised to his resurrection and be filled with his actual presence. Those are the two ways that we are to interact with what's happening here.